Isn't it good to be here today? Yeah. Wonderful day. Great blessing from the Lord that we can we have snow outside. That we that we have snow outside. It's it's a blessing. Amen. Uh, God has been gracious to us and good, and we're here. You have another day to honor and serve Him, and I want to just celebrate your your dedication and loyalty as we worship the Lord in this place. I'd like to spend some time today and talk about putting people down. How about that? Putting people down. You ever seen that in your life? You saw it recently with some guys beating up a special needs person this week. Some of you are here suffering injuries of things that you suffered in your childhood with someone told you, you're never going to get anywhere. Maybe it was even a loved one, a family member, a parent, a grandparent, uncle that marked your spirit and your heart in such a way that rather than allowing you to be propelled into the potential of your future, they really blocked you. And so I want to talk about putting people down. And then how you and I can build the fence all around me every day so that we can not be defined by the put down, but rather the worship today was perfect, but rather that Jesus will be the launching pad for us to make it forward. And I'm actually going to use the passages, the scriptures that we've been reading all along. I hope you've been keeping up with the reading. This church, we've decided to read through the word from January all the way till the end of December. How many have been keeping up with the reading? So you'll, some of what I'm going to be sharing today scripturally on the, on the Bible side will be very familiar to you because you've done the reading. But I want to use uh, as a point of departure for scripture today what Nathaniel responds found in John 1, 46 under this theme of can anything good come from there? That's what I want to preach on. That's the theme. Can anything good come from there? And the whole discourse going back and forth, there was a big dilemma in fact, let, let me just start this way. The, the put down toward Jesus was obvious. He appears at a time when people thought that John the baptizer was actually greater than him. If you think about it for a moment, why this big debate? Jesus appears, but people knew John the baptizer, and they had seen what he has done. In fact, we, you already read through some of the passages a few days ago, where even when now John the baptizer presents some of his disciples, his disciples go with Jesus. So John had, had disciples. He had followers. He had more popularity. And there was a big question happening during that time whether Jesus was the Messiah. Then if you overlay on that the whole problem that the, the Jews had with expecting the Messiah, they were expecting the Messiah to come, the sky open up, and then James Earl Jones speak in the thundering voice, and then this is you, my Lord. I would expect a king to come with power, military, and just sweep everything off. And all of a sudden, he's born in a manger. How could that be? So it was a contradiction in the minds of the Jews. It was a mix-up in the, the, the rest of the world as well, because John was so popular doing what he was doing. As crazy as John was, if you continue reading, you know, he was just crazy. Uh, because God has a habit of using burnt stones and people that the world says are crazy to demonstrate his glory and power. So in the middle of that discourse going back and forth and debate of Jesus, all of a sudden now we find ourselves in this passage of, of John 146 where he says, Nazareth, can anything good from there come from there? The put down was obvious. There is no way the Messiah can come from such an insignificant place like Nazareth, the Lower East Side, the projects, what? There, according to, to there, the place there in the text, 
according to the readings we've just done through the Gospel of John, remember the lineage of Jesus? And he, so, so, so one begot so one, and so begot so one, and begot so one. We got lost in the King James versions of the begots. Matthew uh, chapter 1. But I don't know if you realize that even in the middle of that whole lineage, because lineage was important, for Jesus needs to have a connection to the past. So Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, traces Jesus all the way back to Abraham. So for the Jews, that was very important because where you come from and what bloodline you have is significant if you're going to be the Messiah. But if we read too quickly, the text in Matthew where it says, and so forth, begot so forth, all the way back from Jesus, all the way back to Abraham will realize that in Jesus' lineage was a prostitute. So can anything good come out of it? Come on, he had a checkered past. He's not qualified. He didn't have a 4.0. He didn't have the money. He didn't have the connection. Who is he? They don't, there's no letters before or after his name. Never written a book. You Google him and nothing appears. How can it be? So the Messiah was presenting himself from an imperfect past. So the question and dialogue and problem with Jesus, Savior, Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, Son of God is, can anything good come from there? The put down was obvious. In fact, many of us here today, we've heard such disqualifying statements at some point in our lives. You'll never make it. You don't have the ability. You lack the training. You come from a checkered past. But I come here today to tell you, church, to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that you are good enough. I want to tell you that your future is promising and filled with purpose. I want to tell you that this year is your year for a big, huge, gigantic turnaround. That God has something mighty. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you confess to before the Lord, it's under the blood. Anyone here? Do you know anyone that's ever made a mistake? Not you, but do you know anyone that's ever made a mistake? Raise your hand if you know. Not you, but do you know somebody that's made a mistake? Everybody, right? You confess, confess your sins. It says in Peter, God is faithful and just to forgive all of our all of our all of our sins. So we've made mistakes, but all of that. But oftentimes we let the last error that we made, the last misjudgment, miscalculation, misstep that we made, taint our future. And then what re resounds repeatedly in our mind and worse, branded into our inner si in inside is that can anything good come from there? I'm here to tell you that yes, but how do we achieve that? I think the text helps us to understand how we can achieve that, how we can certainly make it, certainly get through. If you notice in the text when this dialogue is going back in John chapter 1, and it's a very powerful book, rich with theology, rich with thinking and it sets in motion what we actually believe, a lot of what you find in John. The purpose of the book of John was simply to show Jesus so great and so high that he would realize that he's your savior. He's the only way to get to the Father. That's the purpose of John. That's why he wrote. And if you look at chapter 1, you have the prologue in there. are a lot of things talking about God leaving the cosmos and becoming incarnate. That's like crazy stuff. You know, and being born in a, baby, in a, in a manger, that's like crazy stuff. And then being born of a virgin, how do you do that scientifically? That's like crazy stuff. But I get to the place where God saved me. That's crazy stuff. God changed me. That's crazy stuff. In fact, if I'm looking around, it's not just me. Look what he's done in you. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. Touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Stop. <laughs> 
So God is in the business of doing crazy things for people that confess, people that come to his feet. And as we sang in that song, people that release their pride before the Lord. So how can you leave this place today not being branded nor defined by coming from there, <laughs> by being disqualified coming from there? I submit to you the following. The first thing you need to do is realize who you are not. It says in the text in verse 20, this is the dialogue going back and forth. He says, I do not confess to, I do not fail to confess, but I confess freely, this is John speaking, I am not the Messiah. Because people thought that John was the one. He had followers. He, he, he was uh, incredible in what he was doing during that period of time in the early part of the first century. An incredible guy. And so he set the record straight and he said who he was not. In church, uh, th that song, I am the great. Pretend. Come on, anybody over 50 can sing this with me. I am the great. That song doesn't apply to us anymore. The young people don't know what we're talking about. That was before Beyonce, Boo Boo, Baba, whatever the people that you have now. I don't know about you, but I'm very good at being me, but I'm lousy and imitating people. If I got up here today and started the message and I did this, this is my Bible. You would do exactly that. I would disqualify everything I would say afterwards because you think I'm imitating and I do a poor job of imitating Joel Osteen. I'm not from Texas. I'm from New York. And we have to get to a place where we have to be comfortable in ourselves and confess freely who we are not. We're not. You're not Jesus. You're not Moses. You're not the greatest blessing that God sent. We're just burnt stones, fragile. Amen. Confessing before the Lord. Humanity comes inside of us and we can make huge mistakes today. That's why we're careful in casting judgment on anyone because no one here is perfect. No one here is perfect. And you find in the text that the first step that we and I need to, need to make and we need to understand is and know who you are not. You are the best you that God created, absolutely. In fact, I believe, listen to me closely, I believe that when you were born, everything that you needed for a mind-blowing life was already put inside of you. Every resource from heaven, every single thing to prosper, to have a mind-blowing life was already put inside of you. Now, some of you sharp people today would say, then how come I'm not living it? Because we made poor decisions. It's like God giving you a checkbook and putting it in your pocket when you're born. Right? And then, but who writes the check? Not God, you. Who do you write the check to? Not God, you. We suffer the consequences today of bad decisions that we've made. But I believe that God has provided for you everything that you need to have a successful life. Everything you need to have a wonderful life. The wonderful thing about the cross of Calvary and Jesus is that he redeems our failures. So when we make mistakes, God is just and forgive, excuse me, forgives us and helps us get through. But you were born with every single resource you would need to make it through. All the time you needed to be successful. Well, we waste time. Uh, all the reason to be healthy today. Sometimes even the, the physical, the wonderful thing about, the, how many people are fasting? Let me go this way. How many people feel better today since they've been fasting physically? Not that you're hungry. You might still be hungry, but do you feel better? Okay. Because the truth is, that God made us with a system that is able to eat food that God provided for us. But oftentimes we put the wrong stuff in. 
It's like you take a car that's supposed to run on high octane and you put the lowest grade gas on it. It's going to run, but it's going to smoke, overheat, make noises, and make an unpleasant ride for you. But it was not designed that way. God dis designed you for excellence. God designed you to prosper and to grow. That was his purpose, and he put all of those resources. Babies, are, uh, when you were born, God put all the, the resources that you needed at hand, but we do bad decisions, and then we blame it on someone else. And then we say, I didn't because I had the wrong last name. I came from the wrong place or whatever. Or we say, if I had, then I would be better off. I don't know. Because if you can't handle $10, you probably can't handle $1,000. Hallelujah. Come on, don't look at me like that. Maybe that's why he's not giving you more. And you're faithful in the small, then he all of a sudden, grad, come on, say hallelujah. If you can't graduate to you. So know who you are not. You are the best that God ever created. Don't waste any energy trying to become somebody else. You're a, you're a lousy impersonator, but you're a great you. A great you. I think I'm the baddest Mark Rivera that ever walked on earth. And it doesn't matter whether you're laughing at me or not. I think you're the baddest, and I don't bad is good, you know, right? Well, I don't know, maybe for the young people. Diesel, is that the way you say it? I don't know. You have to live confident. Now, poor choices, yes. Poor, bad mistakes, bad influences of people. In fact, oftentimes when we try to imitate someone else, that's when we fall flat on our faces. Oftentimes when we try to be something we have been uh, not designed to be, then that's when we make huge, gigantic errors. He says here, I am not the Messiah. Live at peace with yourself. Live at peace with who you are. There are things in your life and your temperament and in your being that you're never going to be able to change. You may try the rest of your life with all the Botox that is available, but God made you the way you are. Amen? Hallelujah. Grumpy, wide, raily, whatever. He may, you need to settle. And I believe people that, and if you do a study on this, people that have really been successful and effective, they come to some level of settling with who they are. And you need to be able to do that in your life. Try not to imitate. He said, I am not the Messiah. I know, uh, I know who I am not. Verse 23 tells us another thing. It says, uh, you need to know your function. Look at this. And function means how you do what you do. It says in verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice. People were asking John, are you the one? Are you the promised one? Are you the Messiah? Right? That's what they were asking. And John says, wait a minute, I am not, I am the voice. And with function, know your place. Know what God called you to be. A wonderful illustration of this is that, uh, that, that I'll do it very briefly, is in music. If, if music was such a way that everything was a C, imagine how boring music is. The reason we were able to enjoy that song that Aaron played for us when we were receiving the offering is because of the complexity and the diversity of the notes coming out and the way they are presented. They come in a different sequence and a, with different power. And when they do that, then they make us feel real good. In fact, I've, told you, I, I've taught this part before. With music can make you feel happy and make you feel sad. Yes, right, it can. So God doesn't give us one note. And then the same thing, if you study the book of uh, Corinthians and the gifts in the church, God didn't make everyone to be an arm, everyone to be an eye. There's a diversity in the, in the body of Christ so that everyone can function and ministry can be accomplished. If you were here on uh, yesterday in the prayer, 
It was snowing, so I ended up playing. And I messed up both songs. Any musician that would have sung, was here yesterday would have been cringing by how horrible I prayed. I even said, you know what? I promise maybe I should not be playing anymore. I should just continue preaching and teaching. I'm not, I want to keep playing, but I'm just telling you that's what I said yesterday. And the point... <laughs> And the point I want to make, you need to let people do, you need to let the gift things in the house move and not feel jealous or bad about it. There's some people that are tremendous ushers. Let them ush. Some people that are great teachers, let them teach. And you be settled. It doesn't mean that someone else is greater than you. No. It just means that you found your place, you found your track, you found your, the, the, the road that you're supposed to be on, and you know your function. He says, I am not he, I am simply a voice. I'm simply a voice calling in the, in the wilderness, make it straight. Don't belittle your function. Don't, church, especially when it comes to in family and in, even at work, be settled in who you are and move forward. In the time that God has determined, you will move on up. Don't be too fast. Sometimes we go so fast and we are impatient in trying to achieve something that we're not ready for, and it ends up hurting us and hurting people around us. Don't belittle your function. Every gift is valuable in the kingdom. Know your function. So, one, if you know who you are not, that's going to help you in the put-downs of life. If you know your function, your role in your life, then that's going to help you with the put-downs of life. But you know what? Also know your place. And that sounds like a sexist comment, and it can be taken out of context. But what I'm saying is know where you fit in in this puzzle called life. You know your place. It says here in the text in verse 26 and 27. Look, look at how it renders. It says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who, who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of, who, the, the straps of whose sandals I am no, not worthy to untie. What John is saying here, you know what? He's the Messiah, but I'm all right in my place in the Jordan River baptizing people. Place. Place, place. When you know your place, you don't bounce from place to place because you know your place. When you know your place, you can be faithful to that locale because you know your place. It's when we live in ambiguity that we become a ping pong ball all over the place. When you know in relationship, your place in that relationship, the relationship lasts. Pastor, you and I are celebrating 40 years of marriage. You know, right? and we're already planning our 50th, our 60th, and our 70th. Why? Because we know our place. That's where we belong. Ain't looking for nobody else. Searched all over. <laughs> and found somebody on July 31st, 1976. You got me? Then you don't have to search around when you know your place. And he was saying, my place, in fact, you know how we can even give more credence to this point? is that when Jesus then presents himself, and you already did the reading, presents himself to be baptized in the Jordan, John says, oh, no, not me. You baptize. I'm not worthy. You baptize me. He knew his place. He knew his function, and he knew who he was not. When we, when we let that penetrate into our mind, we know our, who we're not. We know our function, and we know our place. Then competition becomes irrelevant. Then, then trying to do political maneuvers become, in, becomes insignificant. And we repudiate that. Why? Because we know that we're doing and we're at the place where we should, we should be. This year, I, I celebrate my 40th year in pastoral ministry in this church. 40 years. 40 years. And I just want to, just parenthetically, I love what I do. I can't believe God allows me to do what I do. 
For the first 16 years of my pastoral journey, I was the associate pastor here, and I served Pastor Rosario, and I served Pastor Cortez. At no time that I tried to be the senior, 16 years. And you know, you people tell, oh, you could be, a, it could be a lot of things, but I got to be what God wants me to be. Never, not once, not once. Why? Because I knew my place. And I developed in my place. And I was corrected and, 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 and guided in my place. And I received God's gifting and blessing in my place. Are you following me? And then when the moment came in God's strategy, because I never in my wildest fantasies thought I ever would be a pastor, but it, when, the, when the time came, then you walk into God's provision in your life because you've been faithful in your place without having ambition or desire for anything else. It is when we step out of that place, whether intellectually, whether in our minds or our desires or our passions, that we end up making huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. And he says here very clearly, know your place. And also in knowing your place, you need to honor authority. He's saying, I baptize. You're the Messiah. I'm not worthy to baptize you. He's honoring Jesus, who, as I said a few moments ago, John had more followers. John had more popularity. John had more business cards out there. God, John had more likes on his Facebook page. He was it. But he knew where the authority was. He knew where the power was, and he honored authority. Church, I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned as society continues to roll out. We need to be careful, church. There are things that happen before us that we might like or not like, but we have to honor people in positions of power and authority. Politics aside, on January 20th, we're going to have a, a president-elect become president. We have to honor that. We have a biblical mandate to pray for people in power. On the 20th, we have to start changing our prayers. And we live at a time where we want to keep fighting when we should be honoring. No more fighting, it's honoring. My dad, when my dad said something, that was it. Whether we agree with it or not, when my mom passed away, my father told us that he wanted to be at the right hand of the coffin because he wanted to greet everybody coming in. And at that point, my father couldn't stand that long, so he was sitting in a wheelchair. And we were trying to tell my dad, Dad, you know, it's going to be too much. Sit and stand for a few minutes, and then we put you in a chair somewhere else. You don't have to be there. The whole time that my, the, of the viewing, the wake, everything, my dad was at the coffin on the right-hand side greeting everybody that coming in and everybody that was leaving the whole time. All my, my brothers, all of us, we disagreed. We said, you need a break. I don't need a break. And when, you know what it is? Because in my family, when my father says something, whether you like it or not, I don't know if you were raised that way. Maybe you should have been raised that way, by the way. What? Tell my father, but dad, have you thought about this? What? Whatever dad said, we did. And we better not squabble about it. You get me? I think we need to re-examine that again. I think in your life, we need to re-examine. Parents, you can't let your kids triangulate you with your spouse. The kids need to know that there's a barrier, a wall, right or wrong, that you cannot penetrate. That's between mom and I. And I'm not going to let you talk to mom that way. I'm not going to let you talk to dad that way. Period. And I am, I, I've told you before, I, my sons, when they were growing up, they always knew when they were growing up, when they got older, they learned differently you know, but when they were growing up, they knew that I was God in my house. <laughs> Period. And I'm not saying domineering. I'm not saying uh, uh, to hurt. But we need to honor authority. 
Bishop Cortez, who's the third pastor of this church, hasn't been able to come here because he's been ill now, very ill, having difficulty now walking. But if he walks into this place, now I'm the pastor here, but we will honor him and I will honor him publicly. Honor. We need to get back to that place. Not just, if we do that at home, homes will work better. If we do that at work, work will work better. Even if you don't like your boss, pray him, but honor or pray her. Pray her into a, a blessing and whatever God has in for for the future. But honor them for the positions that they have in, in community and in politics as well. Whoever sits in the seats of, uh, of authority, we need to honor. He said, I baptize in water. I'm, in the, I'm over there. I'm in the Jordan. But that's the Messiah. He's the one. I'm not worthy of untie. Now, that, it wasn't that John had a low self-esteem problem. He needed psychiatric treatment and he needed medication. It was simply he knew authority. He understood authority. And we need to get to that place as well. Do what you do and let others do what they do. Give them the permission. Let God handle your promotion. Let God handle your movement going forward. Uh, it would be a horrible life for you to get what you've been wanting to get when that is not what God wanted you to have. Hallelujah. Don't look down right now. Sometimes we end up with someone that we wanted. God was trying to show us somewhere else. But no, I love him. I love her. This woman, now you're there. You're stuck. You can say amen if you want to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We make mistakes and it's our own. Know your place. Let God handle your promotion. Let God, hand, let God be your PR person, public relations person. Let him handle that stuff for you. You do what you can. Be who you are. Know your function. Know who you are not. And let the Lord carry it out. Let me get to you to the fourth observation on, on this point of how can I how can I deal with the put downs? I think Pastor E was praying it in the prayer today as I was listening to her pray, pray. Fourth observation is this. Know where true power comes from. Know where true power comes from. The text is verse 33. And I myself did not know him but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one. And John baptized, he's known as John the baptizer, baptized many people. What this verse led, leads us to believe, he had never seen the Holy Spirit come and descend on anybody. But Jesus was different because Jesus had power, direct power. And John was declaring here that I, I'm, I'm, I know that this is a special person. I know that this is a special situation. I know that this individual is bestowed in a unique and special way. And he knew where the power come from. Church, we need to get to that place where we realize that there are people in our midst that have a unique ability to discern, to see, to understand, to perceive. And God showers them with a unique kind of blessing and bestows them with a unique pair of eyes to see things that we don't see or we understand. And connect that power for the preachers and teachers that are here. The last preaching or teaching that you did, just realize that it was God's grace. Oh, you preached well. And don't do it in just fake humbling, uh, fake, hum fake humility, true humility. Anything that happens. There's a song we sing in Spanish that in this church, the glory is for him. We should try to translate into English. In this church, the glory is to him and to him and to him. And we repeat it just to make sure that we know it. And everything that you achieve in life, it isn't because of you. It's through you that God is manifesting his power. But all glory belongs to him. 
All honor belongs to him. Any achievement that we have, and don't belittle these sports guys that say, you know, when they get their trophies or whatever, their gold medal, and I want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ for, and then they tell them, then they talk about their coach. That's actually the way we should be thinking. The house you have, the, the, the resources you have, the possessions that we own. I thank God for this time. I don't care if you don't like it. I thank God for this time. I thank God for my shoes. I bought some boots yesterday that don't leak. I was telling Pastor, I have these nice boots. They look really nice. But the minute I walked into the water yesterday, there was water inside my feet. And I don't know about you, but I start to lose my Christianity when my feet get wet. That's just me. My level of spirituality goes down as the boots fill up with water. And I told her, let's go buy something. I don't care what they look like. I just wanted to keep the water out. So we went and we bought something. They may, you may not lock the style. That's why I have nonsense in my office. I'll wear them when I leave. You'll be watching me when I leave today, right? <laughs> They're rubber and all that stuff. But my feet stay dry. My feet say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I thank God for my, my socks and my boots. And you may say, Pastor, but you're taking it too far. Oh, really? Oh, really? When someone has saved you, from the pit of destruction. And there was no reason for him to do that. Should have really finished us off. When he stuck his hand in the mud and mire of our bad decisions and the life that we made and has given us what we have, because not all of us was as pristine as we appear today. Some of us were, come on church, we were a real mess. We were really broken and lost. When, some, when someone rescues you from that pit, I don't know about you, but the only way is to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you repeatedly in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. Come on, put your hands together in praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the way we need to live. You say, but they're going to think I'm crazy. What do you think they think now? They think I'm losing my mind. They thought you lost your mind. What are you doing in that church? Thank you so much, Peter. We need to thank him and, know, and, and acknowledge where the power. This church stands today not because of the wonderful leadership of the four pastors we've had here. This church stands today because of God's grace. To him be the glory, honor, power, and majesty. This ministry is moving forward, going through storms and difficulties and challenges and just pressing forward. Not because we're cute. We are cute. Not because we're smart. We are smart. Not because we're nice people. We are nice people. But because God is beyond cute and beyond power. He's just a, all authority rests in him and emanates from him. In fact, the miracle that you're going to get in your life. Listen to me speak prophetically to you today. The miracle that you're going to get in your life, in your family, in this year. It is not because we spent 21 days in praying and fasting. It is because the power relies in him and he's a merciful, benevolent, great God that is gracious and blesses us immensely over our lives. So we need to get ready to receive that miracle in our family, in our children, in our home, in our finances, in our health this year. Because all power comes from him and emanates from him. Come on, praise him if you can. Hallelujah. Yes, your marriage is rescued and you don't want to say, oh, but you don't know why I pray. No, it doesn't matter. Your marriage is rescued because God's benevolent. My son, my daughter is rescued. Oh, it isn't because you fasted and prayed. No, 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 no. That was a factor, but it's because God is beyond good. I did not lose my mind, not because I have a great therapist. It's because I have a great God, and his name is Jesus. 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 Oh, come on. If you believe that, just praise him for a moment. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. 
It's not my next sermon that's going to make you feel good. It's Jesus in your life. Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noontime. Jesus at supper time. Jesus on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He's the one. All power emanates from him. Hallelujah. He is the source. John was saying, listen, I baptized in water, but I saw when I baptized him, an angel came. I mean, rather, the spirit came and rested upon him. There's something different. Recognize divine supernatural gifting. And you know, I'm going to take this to another point also. Recognize even among us, people that are gifted. I had had a moment this this week with regard to my mother-in-law. I remember she's been a tremendous blessing. And I was going to a very important meeting today. And I told my wife uh, later on, I'm going to a very important meeting. And as I'm preparing, you know, you do everything you can, make sure it's okay. But then I said, oh, man, I wish I could have just left the house today and told my mother-in-law, pray because I'm going to a meeting. Because I know she has a direct line with God. And there's people in this church, man, that have a direct line. We got talk to me. Let's talk. But then I could point you to some little old ladies, little old men, and men and women that are in this church today. That just tell them, can you? They're gonna pray for you, and God's gonna pick up, and God's going to answer. Because they just have a way of connecting up there in heaven. Come on, you know people like that. People just like that that pray the situation. Hallelujah. All authority comes from Him, emanates from Him, and He deserves the glory and honor. Don't take credit in an undeserved, don't take undeserved credit. Don't take, under, a lot of people do that. No, there was, a, there was success. Don't, don't take undeserved credit. And even deserved credit, give it back to the Lord. My final observation in how to be able to counter put downs. I already said to you, know who you are not. I said to you, know your function. I mentioned, uh, know your place. I said, know where the true power comes from. But this last one, if you look at verse 34, John goes into what many of us have confront often as well. And he says, listen, in fact, look up here on the, on the, on the wall. It's, he says here, I have seen. doesn't say us or we. I have seen. He says there what? I testify, not we, collective. I. The fifth observation in being able to counter the put-downs is know what you know. Don't be ashamed of what you know. No one can take away what, what do I know? Five years old, hospitalized in Guvenia Hospital, severe asthma, holiday, it was a Christmas season, a little five-year-old boy, in there, couldn't breathe, as a result, Lower East Side, they used to paint the Williamsburg Bridge and the bridges down here with a lot of lead in the air, traffic going back and forth. I was one of those kids that had asthma. Hospitalized in, Gu- in Gouverneur Hospital, really bad. I remember not being able to breathe. Now, whether you accept this or not, I know and I testify that one morning I got up singing a little Spanish church song and I was completely healed. I don't think, I know. I don't need, you know what science says? Oh, well, you were five years old. Of course, if I speak scientifically, of course. Your body was now metabolizing into this level of maturity. And now what was happening is the cellular structure inside of you and your resistance and your immunosystem system was now developing to such a point that you really had infantile asthma. 
So when you went from five to six, automatically your body starts to adjust to this new reality inside of you, scientifically speaking, and then all of a sudden your cell starts to react, not like a five-year-old, but like a six-year-old, and so your lung capacity increases, and then now you're able to hold more oxygen, transfer the oxygen from your lungs into your bloodstream, and then you don't have asthma. So it really wasn't a miracle. I know. Oh, come on. I testify. I couldn't breathe, but Jesus came and healed me. Now, you want to accept it? That's fine. I was blind, but now I see. I know. You need to. There's certain things in your life that you just know. Know what you know and talk about what you know. Other people, let them deal with what they don't. I know. You want me to tell what I know? You want me to tell what I know? 15 years old. I came to this church, 1965. In about two years, I was about, I don't know, 10, 12 years, 12 years old or so, I think. Yeah, 12 years old. So 15 years old, 14 years old. I'm here at this church. There was a service. All of a sudden, somebody, I don't remember who would preach or what the sermon was. I know that it was for me. That day, I know and I testify that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Whether you believe it or not, I know. <laughs> I'm getting tired. I'm getting my exercise in today. And I testify. Listen, church, know what you know and don't let anybody rob you of what you know. What you don't know, don't talk about. What you think, don't, what you're ambiguous, but what you know, because I was blind, and now I see. And he's saying, I testify because I've seen him. I know because I've seen him. So he's talking about what he knows. Did he say he's the Messiah? He said, I know and I see something is unusual with this person called Jesus. And church, each one of us have had an encounter with God that is illogical, irrational, doesn't make sense. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know God was involved in the mix. I've given you the testimony over and over. Apartments that come our way, jobs that come our way, resources that all of a sudden appear. It isn't that we, des we don't even deserve it. We shouldn't have even had that. But God comes in and then what do we need to do? We need to give God the glory for what we've received because you need to see and testify that God is the one that's doing it. I know. You may not know. It's not what we know. It's what I know. When I was in seminary, there was a big one. I remember a class that we took. I think it was I was doing my master's. And we were di di discussing this, these abstract academic theological things that don't mean anything with regard to ministry, but are important to discuss anyway. And so I remember talking about uh, uh, cessation and non-cessation. Cessation and non-cessation. Can, can we experience speaking in other tongues in this time that we're living? Or cessation? Did that stop in the first century? The argument academically was very interesting and intriguing, and I know the argument, and we can talk about it later on in the class, and the argument was, no, it ceased, it stopped, cessation, it stopped in the first century because it had to. There had to be a powerful demonstration in the first century above the preaching and rhetoric that was being expressed by the, all the people that were there uh, to allow people to see that there was something supernatural and miraculously happening to these new believers. So, and, but then right after that, it stopped, so that's called cessation. It stopped because there was no need for it afterwards. Makes sense, right? And I've always told you, don't debate or argue anything that you haven't studied. Study this. So that was a debate. And I understood. I remember sitting in the class and saying, you know, that makes a whole bunch of sense. Yeah, cessation, of course. First century, they needed to have. They spoke in tongues, fire. Of course. Book of Acts. Of course, of course, of course. But here's the problem. Did I speak in tongues? I testify. And I see, and I'll be gracious. I understand your anger, Mr. Professor, Reverend Doctor, Bishop, Apostle, blah, 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 blah. I understand. Academically, you make perfect sense. 
But I believe the experience. Are you following me? I'm not belittling you. But don't you dare belittle me either. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that you're crazy by what you're thinking. But please don't point the finger. that Because by the way, now I can also argue what I believe. Are you following me? And sometimes we acquiesce. And I want to encourage you this year. The blessing of the Lord is for you. But know who you are. Not to throw it in someone's face. To make them feel less. Not to denigrate. We're living in a time now which is horrible. People are putting people down so that they can look better. No, don't do any of that. Celebrate individuals. Celebrate life. But be comfortable in who you are. And understand and testify the things. That, are you with me with this today? Because some of you look at me a little funny. Amen. Some of you coming from a Catholic background. I'm not telling you be non-Catholic. In fact, if we want to be academic, we're all Catholic. Catholic is universal. We're all part of the universal church. He said, yeah, but let's get into this. I don't want to get into this or that. Let's get into the stuff that we agree on. Yeah. We have people here that are JWs, right, come from the Jehovah. I'm not going to get into uh, 144,000 and that they sold the property over there in Brooklyn now to Trump's son-in-law. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. That, that's wonderful entertainment. That's not going to keep you up at night. Wonderful entertainment. But what about you? What about people that come in here uh, 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 given towards spiritualism and black magic and all of that stuff? I understand what you're doing, but I know that there is, I know you're singing and praying before uh, that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So I, I know when I test, I know what you know and live what you know. And testify it. And John was saying it very clearly here. He says, I know, I have seen with my eyes, I testify that this is God's chosen one. Boldly proclaim what you know. Don't be swayed by popularity and gifting. Be who you be. Be what God has manifested in your life and move forward. When you do that, church, then people, there's no way people can put you down. Because you're standing firmly on your convictions. And, and, and church, let me be gracious here. Don't overlay your convictions on somebody else. Your convictions are your convictions. I do not eat mushrooms. Praise the Lord. I'm glad they're delicious. I'm glad you love them. And if I, if I don't know, it's okay. I'll eat it. it oh. But once I know, I just don't. So don't try to prophesy mushrooms to me. Fry mushrooms to me. You're a great cook. I love the, great, the way you cook, but I just don't like mushrooms. So when I go to your house, you either are going to make food without mushrooms or you're not going to tell me that you use mushrooms. Right? Right? And we're, then you can't put me down. And it's not that people that don't eat mushrooms are going to hell or less intellectual. It's just that I don't like mushrooms. I don't like rice and beans mixed together. That's just me. No, wait, wait, wait. I love, I don't like, I love rice and beans. I don't like rice and beans cooked together. Give me the beans, give me the rice. And this is how I'm do this. Give me the beans and give me the rice. But I don't, I, I'll be so curious. I says, this is, oh, you presented this so wonderful. This is great. Look at this. Wow, it's amazing. Do you like this? This is great. Isn't she wonderful? Fantastic. God's giving you the gift of cooking and I know, and some of you love it. It's great. Don't pray for me to love it. I just don't like it. You, you got me? Now, I'm just sending a, a, a blast here across the bow here. 
for those of you. That's just me. My point is, I'm not saying you're a horrible cook. I'm just saying I know what I like. What's wrong with saying what you know what you like? Is there, is there a sin? Am I, like, am I weird? Do I have three eyes? <laughs> no. It's just what you like. And oftentimes, we, and, I, and I, that's a, a weak, I guess, illustration for the spiritual application, is you have an experience with the Lord. Stop apologizing for it. He did the miracle. He did provide. He did rescue. Don't let others put you down because of your faith and your tradition. You, and I've heard it here. You go to that church, you spend your Sundays there. What's wrong with saying yes? You should come with me the next time. What's wrong with that? You know, you're always in church. Yeah, and you're always, you fill the blank. Isn't it true? And yet we like feel like we have to present an apology. You know, you're drunk out of your head. Your brain is blown out from all the drugs you're taking. And you're criticizing me for going to church? Are you serious? Don't tell them that. That's you thinking. Just think that. Don't say that. I don't want to get you into trouble. But we acquiesce. I'm spending time seeking. I'm fasting. How many of you know, and you've heard it. You're fasting? I had somebody the other day, not from our church, that we were talking in a meeting that I was at, and they had food. I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not, why are you not eating? I'm fasting. Fasting? What is that? It's not like I felt like I'm a weird person. I walked out of this Mars. No, this is why. Why are you fasting? And I tell them, we don't have to apologize, especially when someone's been more than good to us. That's my point here. And resist the put downs. And then the last thing I'll state, state, state is this. Let's make sure we develop a, a new generation, an up-and-coming generation that also has those values as well. Amen. That feel comfortable in their skin, feel comfortable in their shoes. The good things that they're doing, we celebrate them and we, we're, we're with them. That they don't let the world mark them and brand them in a negative way. Some of us here, the, the third grade teacher told you something and here you are, an older person still carrying those marks. We don't want that on our children. Let's shield the next generation as much as we can. And see the promises of God. Being a spiritual person is nothing wrong with that. Being someone that is a believer is nothing wrong with that at all. At all. At all. Don't let anyone make you feel bad about that. Raising up your hands, there's nothing wrong with that. Man, raise up your, better off raising your hands to Jesus and to the cops. <laughs> hands up. <laughs> Amen? But rather we worship Him free. Let's stand through this place.